Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, let's start with some Buccaneers offensive coordinator news or non-news as it may be. Dan Pitcher, the Bengals quarterback's coach, was in on Wednesday. This was his second interview. He interviewed virtually the first time with the Bucs on January 27th. That was just a couple days before the Bengals lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. So this was really his first visit to the Advent Health Training Center in Tampa. Um Listen, he's a good candidate. They've had a bunch of them. He's 36 years old. He has been there as the quarterback's coach since Joe Burrow arrived as the number one overall pick. It's a little easier to coach a guy like Joe Burrow maybe than than, uh, come to see a guy like Kyle Trask, but um, he is considered a strong candidate for the job. They like this guy a lot, and he's the only guy to have two interviews. They've also interviewed Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin, Giants quarterback's coach Shea Tierney, Broncos quarterback's coach Clint Kubiak, the Jaguars passing game coordinator Jim Bob Cooter and uh, Vikings receiver receivers coach Keenan Park Cardell and Saints passing game coordinator Ronald Curry. So those are the guys. This is the only one they brought back. And we'll get into his, his qualifications, but but really I, I'm starting to sense, and I'm not look, this is not trying to throw shade on the organization. I just I mean this, that it's becoming probably more difficult as they go through this process, they would have liked to have had a quarter, you know, an offensive coordinator by now. They have other positions to hire, like a quarterback's coach, like a running back's coach, and, and, and others on the staff because they you know, fired six guys and three others, uh, you know, three others retired. But basically, you have to look at this situation if you're these other coordinators, right? Like, what are you, what are you weighing here? If you're, um, if you're a pitcher, for example, and you're saying, look, I, I come down to Tampa Bay. There's no Tom Brady. Uh, I have Kyle Trask. I'm not sure what we're going to do for free agency. There's not a lot of money. They're $55 million on, over the cap. Some of that will be helped by Brady retiring. You can certainly make some cuts and things like that. Um, but it's, it's, not like, it's not like there's a ton of, of uh, stability down here. I mean, Todd Bowles did go 8-9 last year. He did win the NFC South. I think they're going to give them more than two years, but maybe not. Maybe they're just going to get their house in order. And on top of it, you're in a pretty good situation in Cincinnati. I mean, listen, you got one of the best quarterbacks in the game, period. And he's been to a, a Super Bowl and two AFC Championship games in the two years that he's been healthy for the entire season. So that can make any coach look good. On top of that, um, you have Brian Callahan, who is the Bengals' offensive coordinator, who's a candidate, as we do this podcast at least, for the Arizona Cardinals head coaching job. If if somehow Callahan were to get that job, then all of a sudden you're the coordinator for the Bengals and most most likely. Plus, they just gave him a, a fairly healthy raise. They extended him right after the end of the season, right after the championship game, because he was getting interest from other teams. So I don't know, you know, just what how deep, you know, that uh, uh pitcher's interest is, or for that matter, any of these other guys like Clint Kubiak. Maybe um, doesn't have a job that I'm aware of. There's still some other staffs that have to be formed, like the Cardinals, like the Colts eventually when they hire somebody. 
Um, I think, and I don't know this for certain, but I think Jim Bob Cooter will have an opportunity maybe to go to Carolina um, where he's a little familiar with, uh, with that situation there with the head coach. And uh, he's a Jaguars passing game coordinator. So again, pretty good place to be if you don't want to jump at this job with Tampa Bay. You, you know, you've got Trevor Lawrence. You've got a team that made the playoffs, won a playoff game. That's pretty. That sounds pretty good. Of course, we know Munkin um, certainly could go back to Georgia. They've gone to you know won back to back national titles. He's smart to take these interviews. He he had a second interview with Baltimore Ravens, who have yet to make a decision on their coordinator uh, situation. And then Shea Tierney, well, he's with the Giants, and Daniel Jones just had his best year, and Daniel Jones will probably come back at least for a season, maybe more. He's also got Brian Dable, who's responsible for his entire career as a very stable coach. I mean, the Giants had not been in the playoffs for quite a while until this year. So Dable's not going anywhere. And as long as he doesn't, he's going to take care of his guy. So I, I think they're finding it difficult, to be honest with you, uh, to land an offensive coordinator that, you know, of these of these six or seven guys. Now, again, I don't know McCardell's situation. Uh, I'm not really that familiar with Ronald Curry. Maybe that Maybe that changes. Maybe they become... Uh, someone that they're interested in. But, man, um, I would have thought, Steve, that they would have hired somebody by now. I really did. You would think unless, like, you know, I mean, if you look at the candidates and you can make a case why they haven't hired any of them yet. You know, oh, if, sure. If Callahan gets hired, as you mentioned, Callahan gets hired, Pitcher mm-hmm. becomes the offensive coordinator in Cincinnati most likely. Right. They extended him. They want to keep him. That's mm-hmm. a logical step. So he would want to wait for that. Yes. Um, you know, like I said, all these candidates, and, and because they're still head coaching jobs out there, it does yeah. impact this. And the Ravens haven't decided, so Munkin may be waiting on them. That's mm-hmm. that's possible. But I can't imagine Todd Bowles is happy he hasn't been able to hire one yet. No. No. And because, But we, we've talked about this, too. Yeah. Because you're an offensive coordinator. How many years does Todd Bowles have left here? It's a you fair know, question. There, there was talk of, and granted, I don't know, serious talk, but... People wondering would he get fired at the end of this this past season, right? And now you don't have Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Who's your quarterback? What's your yeah. roster going to look like? Right. And is this head coach going to last more than one more year? It's a, and and everybody would ask that question before you took this job, especially if you have options, even with your own job. You know, like the other thing you always look at is okay, what's 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 ahead for me, right? Like, so maybe you want to be an offensive coordinator. Oh, by the way, uh, in the case at least of you know, of some of these guys, right? Pitcher in particular, never called a play in his life, if that matters. I mean, it might to some people. The other thing that's curious about the Cincinnati situation is that if you look at the Bengals' offense, um, you know, that's that's purely a passing offense. I mean, they have three monster receivers, a tight end, and one of the greatest young quarterbacks maybe in our generation right now in Joe Burrow. Um, they ran the ball about as poorly as the Bucks did. They were to like 27th in the league. Bucks averaged 3.4 yards per carry. I think they were around 3.6, 3.7. So it's not like you're coming in saying, well, you want to see us run the ball? We know how to run the ball, right? Like you don't really have a track record of doing that. And you're not going to have the weapons, you know, at receiver. I mean, I like Mike Evans. He's going into his 10th season. I love Chris Godwin. He's taking a lot of shots. They don't really have a third guy unless it's Russell Gage who could end up getting cut. So, you know, what are you what what pieces are you putting together here? Um, could you be more creative? Sure, uh, innovative maybe, but the, the Bengals don't do much 
many things different than say the Colts did back in the day, right? With Peyton Manning, like um, they just have a great quarterback with great chemistry with his receivers and they got lots of them. And so eventually he's going to find the guy that gets man coverage and wins. And, and, you know, with the giants, you have a mobile quarterback. If, if you had a guy, if you were going to go draft a guy or you found someone who's got some wheels, may, maybe that would help if you brought in a guy from the giants with, with Daniel Jones, I don't know. But here again, all these guys might be saying, all right, I can – and I don't know who's been offered or who hasn't. And I think it's possible that, you know, maybe the Bucks only like one or two of them, if that. But I do think that you have to weigh their current jobs. But more than that, what jobs are going to be available a year from now? Could the very places they're at now need them if, for example, maybe, maybe Brian Callahan doesn't get a job this year. Maybe he's not a head coach. But then the Bengals go off next year and they go 13 and whatever, four, and they get the number one seed and they win the Super Bowl and Burrow throws for 5,000 yards. You can bet Callahan's going to be a hot ticket. And there's going to be a lot more jobs next year. There wasn't that many head coaching jobs. What is it, five? I think a total of. That, that might be down a little bit, right? You might have Dallas Hope next year. You could have Atlanta. You could have, uh, you know, just a, you could have Tampa Bay. You could have a number of them that, that might be the situation, the Jets, things like that. So I really think that you'd have to weigh everything. You know, the, the, obviously they want to be coordinators, and, and you have to take the interview. Um, and we don't know who they've offered. We really don't. But these are the these are the only guys they brought in to date that we're aware of, and they've announced every time they've had a meeting with somebody. So we'll see if there's anybody else that comes in for a second interview. I don't, I'm not aware of any plans of that, but that can change. And listen, um, I think they really do like pitcher, and he might have a decision to make, and we should know the answer to that here fairly shortly. Some other news in the NFL that maybe I don't recall if we talked about this the other night, Steve. If we did, I'm going to repeat it again. I was on with Tom. And that is Derek Carr visited the New Orleans Saints. If you're a Bucks fan, you should be a little nervous about that, I think. Because I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. I, I think the Raiders situation was dysfunctional. They've had a lot of head coaches, a lot of offensive systems, a poor defense. Um, you can make all kinds of excuses, but yet Carr has been a fairly consistent player. And if you look at the Saints roster, and they are, you talk about over the cap now, they're even in worse situation than the Bucks are. So they have to get their house in order, and I'm not sure how they do it, especially to take on Derek Carr's salary. But uh, their personnel, it's as good as anybody's in the NFC South. really is. I, I, I thought, you know, if you look back to last year's Saints game that the Bucs had to pull out at the end, Tom Brady with the, you know, the rally, um, if the Bucs lose that game, the Saints may win that division. They're, they're tied right there with Carolina and Tampa Bay, um, you know, going down the stretch. And – you know, you look at them and you say, well, the defense, they have some elite players, right? And, and they're older, some are older, but they're, you know, they're still very, very, very good. Uh, offensively, Alvin Kamara, um, Chris Alave, Michael Thomas is, is probably moving on at this point. They have a good tight end. They have a good offensive line. And what they've lacked is consistency at the quarterback position. Jameis, I think, is still under contract, but there's an out for them if they want to get out of it. I believe, and Andy Dalton is not. He's a free agent. So um, the chance to get someone like a Derek Carr, who I would say whether you trade for him, and, and they must have worked out some compensation. I don't think Derek Carr would be allowed to even visit. Um, but, you know, this this feels like, to me, this would be big advantage New Orleans in this division that doesn't have quarterbacks, right? All of a sudden, Brady's gone. Um, you know, I, I don't know that Ritter is the answer in Atlanta. Um 
Carolina is looking for a quarterback. They may draft one. So this would be, I, I think this would be big advantage New Orleans. Okay, and as we're taping this, as a matter of fact, breaking news, a little more offensive coordinator news, because I would suppose that they're not having much success. They've got another candidate. The Bucs are going to interview Seahawks quarterbacks coach Dave Canales for their offensive coordinator job. Um, he had a second interview with the Baltimore Ravens this week, now set to meet with your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So there is yet another one. This will be the eighth candidate that the Bucs will talk to. All right, we've got uh, your mailbag questions coming up. We'll hit a few of those. And first, I want to remind you guys how to save money on your electric bill. It's going to start heating up again. You're going to need that AC even more and more. It's called May Electric Solar. They're a family-owned and operated business. They've been installing solar electric systems now for 12 years. There's a lot of these companies out there, but May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. 30 years, man. Something goes wrong, they're out there fixing it. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is what they call the May difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. You can see exactly what they're going to install for you. And they don't use subcontractors. That's important. So all those people up there on the roof installing it, those are Billy Mays guys. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts, May Electric Solar. Here's the number, 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate, lower your electric bill all year long, and preserve the quality of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. All right, we got some mailbag questions. Let's get started. All right, Lucian tweeted us. He said, lots of talk of offensive coordinator for the Bucks, but what about the defensive coordinator? Is Coach Todd Bowles going to call plays again? You know, that's a great question, and, and when, I, when I talked to him, of course, he was hired uh, March 30th of, of last year, coming up on an anniversary before too long, and it was too late at that point, and he was pretty much told, hey, you know, you, the staff is intact. That's kind of why Bruce Arians did it, and it's also why he's not all that happy that <laughs> a bunch of his assistants got, got fired anyway, um, but it was too late for, for Bowles to, to pick an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, so he elected to call it himself. And he did so. Um, now, you know, when he was with the Jets, he said he had his sort of had his hands in too many pies, and it, it kind of affected how how well he called defense. Um, this year, he let Byron and he let those guys coach. It didn't work out. Um, he didn't get the results he wanted from from the run game, and there were things about the offense that he didn't like, and that's why Byron left, which is not here, and a lot of other offensive uh, offensive coaches. I think his plan is to have a new defensive coordinator, but first things first, right? Uh, they've got to replace this offensive side and get that right, or it won't matter what they do on defense. And the fallback is he can still do it uh, for another year. Um, I haven't talked to him, so I don't know, if, you know what plans he has, but they have not interviewed any defensive coordinators, and I think that's telling. I also think that they had two co-defensive coordinators last year, um, you know, and I, I think one of those guys either could be uh, tabbed to do it or, um, you know, they can continue with a system where, where those guys, uh, you know, really, really help, help him out as far as game planning and, um, and everything else. We're talking about Larry Foote and Casey Rogers, both of them very capable, both of them well-versed in this defense. At any point, they could take over uh, the play calling uh, either as a tandem or, or uh, by themselves. So, uh, I think on a, as opposed to the offensive side, which needs a complete overhaul, um, the defensive system is going to be Todd Bowles' system, 
I believe. So it, it would um, it would behoove them to maybe uh, go in house for that. But I haven't heard, and and all we can do is is look and see, you know, what they're doing. Uh, don't believe the audio, believe the video. And the video is that no defensive coordinators have come through the house. Right? They haven't invited anybody in. Maybe it's because they're focused on the other side. Uh, maybe they'll get to that. But I would think, just like with the offensive coordinators, a lot of staffs are forming. A lot of good talent is going away. So, um, you know, if you were gonna, if you were inclined to make a change there from somebody outside, you'd probably it'd probably behoove you to get them in too. And they just haven't done it. So I I believe that that's probably going to be an in-house solution, whether Bowles calls it again or uh, he appoints one or both of those guys to do it for him. All right, Nick responded to a comment you made earlier this week. He says, why are you so dismissive of a Mike Evans trade? Two first-rounders is unlikely, sure. Last year's wide receiver market included Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown, and Hollywood Brown, all fetching first-rounders or more, not to mention his draft uh, classmate, Devontae Adams, returning a first and a third. It's reasonable the Bucs could find a first-rounder from teams drafting in the mid-20s, Chargers, Giants, Cowboys, Bills. A first for Mike is almost a certainty. Sure, it it doesn't amount in huge cap room for 23, but at this point, the goal is to get back to the Super Bowl as quickly as Philadelphia has after being in a similar cap and age and roster situation in 2018 when they beat New England. That's a 2025-26 Super Bowl. Mike isn't on that roster, but an extra first-rounder from this year's class would certainly be. Okay, those are all good points, and I've heard them on uh, various radio shows, and I think they make absolutely no sense. Um, and here's why. You have to remember the biggest problem with it. Uh, is not what you could, although, you know, and I've heard people, and I think this is inane, oh, two number ones for Mike Evans. No, you're not getting two number ones for Mike Evans. Okay, well, one and a three. Uh, I don't know. Mike Evans is an elite player in this league, has been. He's got a Hall of Fame resume that he has built or is building. He's going to be in his 10th year, okay? This is not Tyreek Hill. Okay, with a singular skill set that is like the fastest guy in the NFL, right, in his prime. Um, This is an older player who's taken an awful lot of hits, okay? Not a burner per se. Certainly he can get behind the defense. um, Gets around 1,000 yards. Hasn't led his team in receptions in a number of years now. That that guy has been Chris Godwin, okay? Um, So let's not put him in the category of a Tyreek Hill, all right? I'm not sure what the market would be for Mike Evans. I think that Mike is probably more valuable to them as a player because who's on the Bucks roster right now? I mean, if you got draft picks, you'd be turning around and using them on receivers right away, and you may draft a receiver with a 19th pick. I really don't know. But my point is the biggest singular reason why this cannot and probably will not happen is this. If you trade him, okay, you're going to take on 21 Point three six million dollars on the salary cap. That's the dead cap money. And I, I think he's untradeable at this point. Dead dead cap money, th- those are those are con that's money that's been pushed forward. Okay. His salary is thir- his base salary is thirteen million. All right. He's got a prorated roster bonus of one point five million. But he's restructured so many times that his restructuring this year is $9.1985 million, okay? There is $12 million of dead cap money in 2024, 
and even two million of dead cap money, two point two three five million of dead cap money in twenty twenty five. He's restructured so much. This is the bill for Tom Brady and for Ryan Jensen and for Chris Godwin and for all the guys that they retained to try to win multiple Super Bowls. They won one. They won two division titles. They had plenty of success. You do it again. I just don't I don't see how you he's tradable. You know? I I, I just don't see it. So I think you have to factor in the dead money. Um and when you do that, you say yeah, I think he's more viable to us, you know. Um, now, the cap hit, like you save, you know, his cap hit next year is $23 because of everything that's been accelerated, right? But you have the player, okay? So you're really going to save a couple million dollars if you trade him on the cap, and, you know, from and it's going to accelerate. And you're still paying 23 cap hit will be 21 What are we saving, $2 million? roughly less than that, and and you don't have the player. So I think for all those reasons, and, and plus, you know, Mike, you deserve – I think he's earned the right. If you still think he's a good player, I think he's earned the right. And if you didn't think he was a good player, you wouldn't have pushed all this money forward. I still think he's earned the right to say, Mike, what do you want to do? You know? Now, if he comes to you and says, look, I know we're not going to win, and I've only got a couple more years to play, and I'd like to go somewhere where I can win another ring. And they go, you know what? You've been a loyal soldier. You've taken all those hits for us. You run all those bad teams. You helped us win a Super Bowl and, and more. We're going to grant your wish, and we're going to let you out of here. What does Mike want to do? And I think Mike wants to finish his career in Tampa. That's what I believe. I think he'd like to be a buck for life, if you will. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get a contract after this year because he's basically a free agent in 2024. So one more year, he can decide where he goes. Uh, don't know that he has a no trade clause, all that stuff. So it just doesn't feel to me like there's momentum to trade Mike Evans because he's one of the few pieces you have, right? Young quarterback, whoever it is, uh, even if it's free agent, if it's Baker Mayfield, if it's, you know, what's attracting me here if I'm a coordinator? What's attracting me here if I'm a quarterback? You got to have something, and they still have some players, Chris Godwin obviously being at this point probably the the number one receiver in, in a sense. Um, because of the number of catches he has, and he led him in yards as well, plus coming off the ACL. So, yeah, I just I'm not buying it. It's just and and, and a big a big reason of it is just all the money they push forward on the contract. John tweeted. He says, "Any thoughts on the Bucks doing a fire sale? Hate to lose good pillars if the team, but the Patriots made a dynasty partially by getting rid of players while they still had value before it was too late. In my opinion, everyone is worth trading except Tristan Wirfs." I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, we just talked about Mike Evans, uh, and, and there are reasons with all these players why you can or you cannot trade them. I, I don't think I'm going to trade Devin White, okay? Um, I don't think I'm going to trade Antoine Winfield Jr. You know, there's there's some other players on here that I would like because I've drafted them, and I think they have a bright upside. Um, but then we've also talked about a bunch of guys that are probably going to get cut. You know, this is the other thing. Like, trades are... Trades sound great until teams realize that if you're willing to trade them, as soon as you pick up the phone, a lot of times, and you say, hey, how would you like Donovan Smith? Right? And they go, what's wrong with him? Well, you know, it's just it is the last year, and you know, we're trying to get younger at that position. It's like, you're going to cut Donovan Smith. Yeah, we probably will. If we can't trade him, we probably cut him. 
And and so teams are going to say, well, let's just wait and see if they put him on the wire. I mean, like you know, he could be a free agent. Why am I going? Why am I paying twice? I'm going to pay Donovan Smith, and I'm going to pay compensation in terms of a draft pick. So there's a lot of players like that. You know, Donovan Smith is one. Um, you know, uh, I don't think Cam Braid's going to be back. Leonard Fournette's another guy that's under contract, right? You want to trade him? Who's taking him? Who's going to take him? They know you're going to probably cut him if you pick up the phone and call him and say, hey, you want to, would you like Leonard Fournette? Like, fan, there's a difference between fantasy football and real football, right? And plus, what's the production of the guys you're getting rid of? Who are we talking about? Are we getting rid of Via Veda? I don't think Via Veda, uh, Vita Vea is going anywhere. And you just paid him an enormous amount of money, and you restructured him to get more free agents back, right? Again, all these all these so-called trades have dead cap money in them. And I, I think they're more likely to cut good players than to be able to trade good players, right? Some are going to be free agents. Levante David, love to have him back, going to be a free agent. Don't have to give, don't have to give the Bucks anything for him. So it's not a power-packed roster at this point, okay? Um, you know, you look at it last year and there are some pieces, right, on defense. There's some pieces, Still don't know what Joe Tryon Shoinka is. Four and a half sacks, two years in a row. Well, he's a full-time starter. He didn't improve. Um, Vita Vea, you can build around. Akeem Hicks is a free agent. You, you know, you need another guy. You got Logan Hall. You got to see what he is. You're not going to trade Logan Hall. You just got here. Um, you know, Carlton Davis, you just re-signed to a long-term deal. You'd like to have Jamel Dean back. You'd like to have Sean Murphy Bendick back. One of those guys, but they're free agents. Can't trade them. You're not going to trade Antoine Winfield Jr. He's maybe your best player on defense, not named Vita Vea at this point. Or Devin White, who's not going to be traded because, again, he is your best player. And you got to pay him about $20 million here pretty soon. So it's it's just hard to do, right? Because, again, you like to say, well, just rip it up. Just cut everything. Well, you're more likely to waive players than you are to trade. I, I'm not saying they won't make any trades. I, I just think they're damn hard to do. Uh, because they have they have mortgaged a lot of those players you would normally trade. They have extended their contracts. They have reworked their contracts. They have added money to it, dead cap money, avoidable years, all that, in order to have as many good players as possible for Tom Brady. And it netted them one Super Bowl, and you do it again. But the three-year bill is coming due, and that makes it difficult in some instances, not all, but in some to trade. And frankly, if it's a good player, you probably want to keep him. You know, unless, you know, and I get the Belichick, you know, Belichick's theory was always, you know, trade him a year too soon than a year too late, right? When you get nothing. Um, but in many cases, some of these guys probably should have been traded a year or two ago, but they, they stuck around to see if they could win another title. So um, really, they're, they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. So I think they want to get their house in order. Maybe that'll involve some trades, but they've made it difficult to trade some of these players. All right, George tweeted. He said, watching the championship games a week ago, I realize it's been 43 years since the Buccaneers hosted an NFC championship game. How many more years before the Bucs host one? And note, all NFC South teams have hosted the NFC championship game in the last eight years. And only one NFC team has had a longer drought of not hosting an NFC championship game. That's the Lions, who have never hosted one. You know, I don't know. Um, yeah, 43 years. I was at that game, 1979. Uh, actually, I wasn't at the game. I was at the game before. I couldn't get tickets to it. I got within three feet. There was a crush of people. It was like a, a like a bad soccer stadium or something. And then they had to close the gate because um, everyone was getting trampled to death. Spent the night in a very cold Al Lopez field back in the day. 
Uh, they played the Rams. They lost to the Rams, I think, 9 nothing, if, if I recall. That is a long, long, long time. It's, it's amazing in some respects that they have won two Super Bowls the hard way. Really, it is. They went to Philadelphia, which was their house of horrors for years and years and years. And even after having lost to the Eagles that season, went up there and shocked. Uh, I mean shocked. Nobody thought they were going to beat the Eagles. And they beat the Eagles up there on the road to go to, to go to the Super Bowl and won it. And then uh, I think it was fortunate for them, uh, I really do, that COVID occurred because they were able to win four games on the road, uh, three on the road, and then, and then uh, the Super Bowl, uh, especially at Green Bay. That would have been a different deal if that stadium had been packed. Um, they played very, very well. It was loud. It didn't didn't feel like nine or 10,000. It felt like about 65,000. But... Um, still a different deal altogether. But you think about them winning two Super Bowls and going through Green Bay and going through Philadelphia to do it is pretty remarkable. So, uh, yes, the easier path is to host the championship game. But, listen, I don't, I don't know when the next division title will be. This, this division is up for grabs, but let's, let's see what the Saints do at quarterback. Let's see what Carolina is able to do at quarterback. And mostly let's see what the Bucks are able to do at quarterback. It, anyone can win it. It's wide open. Um, but you know, you got to have that trigger, man. And that's why the Bucks have won it, you know, the last two years, why they won the Super Bowl three years or, you know, back in 2020 when, when Tom got here and until they until they solve that, they're not going back to anything. I would say your goal, if you're a Bucks fan is hope you can win the South, even if it's with the sub 500 record and go and host a playoff game. I mean, home playoff games are precious. Even if it's wild card, they're precious. And if certain things happen above you, maybe you get two. Uh, which is, you know, what what the Bucks were able to do, uh, you know, what two years ago, um, and so, you know, the Packers lost in round one. The Bucks were second seed, and they got they got to host the Rams. It didn't work out for them, but they did get to host it. So, uh, you you need to have one of those years, to be honest, in order to host a championship game. You need to be a number one seed. That's really what you need. You need to you need to dominate your conference. You need to have the best record in the conference. You have a, a first round bye, win one game, and you're hosting the championship. And until they're able to do that, and they're good enough to do that, and I don't see it in the next one, two, three, four years, maybe. Um, maybe I can be convinced otherwise after next season. But I think it's going to be a long time. Maybe not 43 years, but that is that is quite the record when you consider that uh, that the only team that's gone longer is the Lions, and they've. They've not been there. Well, if the NFL has its way, you may never host an NFC Championship game. That's again correct. Because it may Great be a neutral fields. Why did I just spend 10 minutes on this? That would have been the short answer. I'll tell you why. Because they're not going to have hosted games in the AFC and NFC Championship. That's great. All right. Rhett tweeted us. He says, don't you think that the Bucks could be better this year than most are thinking? My reasoning is the best ability is availability. Maybe the team won't look as good on paper, but they'll be shedding cap space. And by doing that, they'll get younger, faster, probably more available to play. I'm not saying Super Bowl, but a year similar to what Seattle had a year ago. You know the Seattle example is the best case scenario. Um, it really is because there were you know most people after Russell Wilson was traded for a gazillion draft picks and the Bucks don't have that to do. Um, most people said you know Seattle just they're not going to be very good right. They're in a tough division. Um, you know they 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 don't have Russ Wilson now, and it's just not going to look good. And you know I I think there's a lot of times people do forget that. No matter, you know, no matter who lines up for you, they're still the best in the world, right? Like these guys are still really good players, and I think we get caught in the trap sometimes of saying, "Hey, look, 
you know, they have no chance because. Well, what did, what did Russ Wilson do? You know, he he kind of laid a, a per, the proverbial egg, you know, and then Geno Smith takes over, and Geno Smith has the year of his life, and he says, you know, um, people go, well, you, they wrote you off. He goes, well, I didn't write back, <laughs> you know, like, and that could be sort of what could happen because, again, it's a wide-open division. Um, I don't know that Derek Carr is taking the job in, in, in New Orleans. I think if he does, they're going to be very, very good. We don't know if Carolina is going to end up with the quarterback they want. The Bucs did beat all these teams last year. Now, they had the GOAT, and that's the biggest reason why they beat them. But a lot of the pieces are back, and you know, it's still a pretty good core of players. I'm not, I'm not knocking them. I think the defense you know, can get better. Um, I still think it can be a force at times if they can keep enough of the secondary together, if they can get, you know, it's about the development of players now, right? What is Joe Try and Soinka going to be? What is Logan Hall going to be? You get somebody, what, what if Shaq Barrett comes back? And I don't know that he will, but what if he comes back and he's he's a force again, right? Coming off the Achilles, he missed the whole year. So, you you know, this thing can can look a lot better. And then, you know, problem is that they got a first place schedule and it's not easy and, you know, you're going up against a lot of good teams, but Seattle made they managed to make, you know, hang in there and make something of this season. That could happen in the NFC South. Nobody thought it would happen, uh, you know, in the NFC West a year ago with all those teams that were really, really good, but it did for Seattle. So there is your best case scenario, right? You do need to get younger and younger typically means, because I've always said this, older players don't get more healthy and more productive as they get, as they age. Um, so yes, an in, in, influx of of a, a new draft class, the younger players from this draft class from this past season, growing up a year from two seasons ago, growing up a year now in their third year, that all can matter. It really can, um, as well as maybe getting a couple pieces back. So not dismissing of it entirely. I would just say this: you need a magical year from a quarterback like Geno Smith had, right? No, everybody had written him off totally, and I know he, he didn't write back, but he played really, really well, and. And they had, you know, they still had Metcalf. They still had some guys. So if you get that sort of production, yeah, absolutely, it's possible. You know, it's possible to be a to, to be a force to be reckoned with in this division. Maybe you sneak in and make the playoffs. I'm not saying they can't win it, but you've got to completely recalibrate, right? I'm not confident. Like, are they going to strike lightning in a bottle with Kyle Trask? I don't know that. I, I, he's going to have to learn a new system. He's been not playing and working in one for two years. If Kyle Trask is, you know, better than Mac Jones, for example, with a better team around him, maybe maybe he can do some things, right? So we'll just have to see. I mean, every guy on every team in the NFL is the best in the world, and and we seem to lose track of that. So I don't want to be completely dismissive, you know. I mean, it means a lot to Todd Bowles, too. It means a lot to his coaching staff and whoever they hire as a coordinator. Um, so, yeah, all that's all that's possible, just not likely right now as we sit here on February 8th and they're still looking for a coordinator and they still don't have a quarterback and we're trying to figure out how this is going to look but could it be better um it could be better than last year uh but without Brady you're not going to have a guy likely that's going to throw for 4600 yards and 23 touchdowns and nine interceptions like that's you know in avoid sacks I mean he took 22 sacks with that offensive line that was all on Tom Brady for getting rid of the ball and not taking the sack not making the mistakes not throwing the interceptions not having negative plays I don't know that you're going to have somebody that has that much experience that can make up for that. I want to see what the offensive line is. 
I want to see who the coordinator is. Like, there's a lot of things that have to be answered. But could it happen? Sure. It's the NFL. Anything can happen. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Luis had tweeted us. He said, someone posted it online, and it had me thinking. Should the NFL retire the number 12 league-wide, kind of like the NHL did with 99, or baseball is done with 42? I've heard that uh, mentioned. Um, I don't think they should do that. I, I, I think that uh, I, I think 12 is a number that has been worn by a lot of great quarterbacks, right? A lot of great quarterbacks. Um and to just say it's Brady's number, I mean, Joe Namath wore 12 and what he meant, you know, when, when the AFC was able to beat the NFC. Um, didn't Roger Staubach wore 12, I believe? I mean, the, mm-hmm. there's a lot of guys. Aaron Rodgers does that, now. Yeah, Aaron Rodgers wears it now. So so when you don't see 12, like, who are we, so we're retiring that for Tom Brady when all those other quarterbacks – that are in the Hall of Fame uh, wore it as well. It, it just—it's not like Jackie Robinson, right? There might have been some famous forty twos, but he, you know, I understand like what that meant to the league, the color barrier, all of that. That's that's a little more significant. I'm not down. Just you know, <laughs> look, you can't say anything more about the goat than he's the greatest of all time, right? And now, if the Bucks and the Patriots want to retire, that's their purview, right? They could say no one in, in Tampa Bay is going to wear twelve. Here's the problem: Doug Williams wore it. Doug Williams wore it for the Washington uh, that, at that time Redskins and won, was the first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl. They didn't retire his number, but now it's not, now it's going to be put out of service. So I, I just think that that's a little more difficult in football to make it league wide, right? He didn't break a color barrier. He did. He's he's. What if Patrick Mahomes wins on Sunday, and he's twenty seven years old and he's won two Super Bowls? What if he gets to six? So we're going to retire fifteen. Like, where does this, you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know, other than his accomplishments, which are unbelievable, and the fact that he played to he's 45, you know, it, it'd be a nice tribute. I don't think it's necessary. Let the Patriots do what they're going to do. Let the Bucks put him in the ring of honor. Honor him that way. But league-wide, yeah, I don't, I don't see them taking 12 out of service. All right, Richard tweeted. He said, can, can you compare the 2003 Bucks offseason versus the one we're about to see in 2023? To me, they seem pretty similar. Both teams coming off disappointing years and at a crossroads in terms of veteran cap cuts, not resigning Sab, cutting Lynch, and trying to move the franchise forward with young talent. I think it would be interesting to compare the two. Thanks. Always awesome to hear Rick go back in time and give out some Bucks knowledge. I'm going to assume you mean the twenty or 2003 offseason, right? Yeah, after the 04 offseason after the 03 yeah. season. Yes. After the 03 regular season, right. Yeah. Um, when they did break the team up, and, and yes, Lynch and Sapp and those guys were gone. Listen, uh, that was one where Gruden had, had brought on Bruce Allen, and they did have a, a team that was getting older, especially on defense. 
And I, I do think that they, they felt in some instances, like they cut John Lynch. They got nothing for him, right? And it's not like they had a ton of great safeties waiting to take over for him. I think they misread some of that. John Lynch made four more Pro Bowls <laughs> with the Denver Broncos. So he wasn't done. You know, Sapp went to a Pro Bowl with the Oakland Raiders. He wasn't done. Could they have squeezed another year or something out of him? Yeah, probably. They probably could have. But like I said, a couple of those guys were cut. Um, there was a lot of dysfunction in that previous season. They wanted to, to weed some of that out. I I just remember Gruden trying to use free agency to replace a lot of those guys, right? And and to continue to – every year it was a different quarterback, right? He was done with Brad Johnson. Now we're on to Jeff Garcia. And to his credit, you know, they, they did win again especially with Jeff Garcia, they made it back to the playoffs. But they were just never as good because the core of that defense was getting older. Um, and so I, I, I know what you're saying. There's some parallels. But John never stripped it. Like, John never just said, hey, we're going to gut this thing and start over, okay? That was when they got to Raheem Morris, okay? That's when they said, let's tear it up all, all entirely. Um, John kept trying to win, but he tr- kept trying to do it with free agency, and it drove everybody crazy. Because he was bringing in players that were in their 30s, and most of them passed their prime and paying a lot of money for free agents that didn't work out, and especially quarterbacks that he tried to have a different one every year. And and I think they just got annoyed with that. He was trying to win. He wasn't pulling the Band-Aid off by far, believe me. Um, you know, he did everything he could to stay to stay relevant, and he did win enough to get a new three-year contract, and they still fired him with three years left on his deal because he started 9-3 one year, and guys like Brooks and them got old and they didn't make it, and they lost four in a row, and they missed the playoffs, and then they said, you know what, we're done with hiring free agents. They had three uncapped years, and then they did what they did with Raheem and brought him aboard, Mark Dominic and all that. So there's not really a great parallel. You know, it would be as if for them to follow that script, they'd have to say, you know, uh, we're going hard after free agent quarterback. We're going hard after a free agent offensive tackle. We're going hard after – they'd have to keep spending money, you know, also, back then, uh, you know, remember when they traded for John, they gave up two ones, two twos, and $8 million. So they didn't have a first-round pick when John got here. They didn't have it the second year that he was here. They didn't have a second-round pick when he got here. They didn't have a second-round pick when he was here uh, the next year. So they they were sort of not only just losing guys and some of the core players that left as free agents or got cut, they also were without – so the the biggest pieces of their draft class for those two years. So they were really having to scramble in free agency to try to fill the void um, of the lack of draft picks. I I, I know what he's saying. I, I just don't see the parallel. I think the Bucks at that time kept trying to win. Um, there were circumstances that certain guys moved on. and They failed John in a physical because of stenosis in his neck, and he passed the physical in Denver and made four Pro Bowls and went to an AFC championship game. So was that a good decision? Mm, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it's not to save money, um, and it didn't. They didn't get a better player. So, yeah, not a not a great parallel. But um, but I, I appreciate the question. And, and there, look to me, it's more like if you were going to do that, right? If you're going to start over, if you're going to bring in young guys, to me, the parallel would be more like after the '08 season, and and Raheem Morris is your coach, and you're like, look. We've been spending money. We, we've got a bunch of old guys. We're going to have to gut this thing, give the young guys a chance to play. Whoever we drafted quarterback, whoever we drafted at the offensive line, they're all going to play, and we're just going to build it back up through the draft. That would be what – if they go that direction, that's to me more like 09 than it was 04.
All right, Michael tweeted. He says, why didn't the Bucks have a 20th anniversary reunion for the 2002 Bucks like they did for the 10th anniversary? Is it because of John Gruden? It's a good conspiracy theory. Um, a damn good one, to be honest with you. It'd be a little un- awkward, I think, if you trotted out all those guys. And, and look, the fans would have loved it. And I don't know why they didn't have I, I will ask Brian Ford and some others why that is, to be honest. I, I don't know. I, I think they missed an opportunity. Um, I do know they came back, what, after 10 years? Um, you know, it's expensive. <laughs> Let's be honest. And I, I, I just, a lot of those guys are there every week. A lot of them live in the area still. It seems to me like it would have made a lot of sense, a hell of a lot of sense to do it. But you do those things sometimes when not only do you want to honor those teams, but you want to also get a bunch of fans in the stands. And they already had that. They were sold out. So there wasn't any any financial incentive to do it. In fact, it would have cost them money. And I don't want to say the Glazers are trying to save money because I don't know. I will ask Brian Ford, I'll ask those guys and see what the, what the circumstance was. I know they came back after 10 years, um, and it was great. And I would like to have seen them back after 20 because I think that would have been great. But I don't have a great answer for it. I think they deserved it. Um, I would meet every 10 years. and There's going to be fewer and fewer of them, unfortunately, I'm sure. But um, that's what I would have done because that was that was the OG man that 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 was you know led the bucks out of darkness all those years not many playoff appearances um you know what they did in 02 was remarkable should always be celebrated and 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 those are some of the most popular players of all time that are on the ring of honor um a lot of them are in the stadium on sunday anyway uh, but i don't have a great answer for that i'm not sure i do would agree with you though it would be very awkward to say ladies and gentlemen your 2002 tampa bay buccaneer world champion team and uh, and assistant coach you know what i mean like i mean it's just it would have been awkward and maybe maybe it's as simple as that maybe gruden was a was a big decider i'll have to ask it's a it's an outstanding question big night tonight make sure you watch do not miss this because i have a really good feeling that if you watch the nfl honors program which comes on around 8 30 or 9 o'clock i think on nfl network the buccaneers may have their fourth hall of fame player i think ronnie barber has a really really good shot at this and um uh, i think you'd be a fool not to watch and see if maybe the fourth member of that 2002 defense we were just talking about uh, may go into canton ohio in august it's going to be quite a night if that's the case We'll root for Rondé. You can read about it on the Tampa Bay Times and on TampaBay.com. We'll also get you ready for Super Bowl 57. We've got the Philadelphia Eagles against the Kansas City Chiefs. i got my thoughts on the game. I know Steve will as well. And tonight, we'll all about that. Stanley Cup rematch, Colorado Avalanche at the Lightning, 7 o'clock, that's Emily Arena. Right. That's going to be a, that's going to be great. Listen, that was a bad loss. Either. Can we agree that was, you can't lose that game when you're up 3-1? to one? Against a bad team, uh, a game you dominated. Night. I mean, you know, yeah. you lost two faceoffs on power on penalty kill that went right in the net immediately. Yeah. Um, you outshot them something like eighty to forty-one shot attempts not for the good, game. Man, not uh, good. No, you, that's a, that's not a good loss. You did get a point though, um, right? Yeah, but now you got the uh, Stanley Cup champs coming to town. So, yeah, they should be up for that one. That would be a great one. So, yeah, we got lots to talk about tomorrow. So enjoy your day. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for the questions, as always. For Steve Burstyn, Gumrick Stroud of the Tampa Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom does- 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.